Now, could we turn our Bibles again, this time to half a verse of Scripture? Chapter, uh, that's uh, in Ephesians, chapter 6. And uh, that's on page 1163. 1163. And I'm returning to the, uh, the series that, uh, that I've um, been doing um, in the previous last year. Um, we had a break for a few, quite a few weeks, but uh, I want to carry on um, now the series. And uh, you'll see that we got as far, actually, as um, verse 14. Um, but in case some of you weren't actually at those, uh, those, previous, uh, those previous talks, I'm going to read down to verse 14. Uh, And then we're just going to be looking at half of verse 14. So, Paul says this from verse uh, 10 onwards. This is page 1163. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And I'm actually looking at that second half of verse 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now let's just pray briefly to ask the Lord's help as we look into this this message. Oh, Father in heaven, we know that Paul saw this as a matter of extreme importance that we should put on the whole armor of God. And speaking to the Ephesians, he clearly believed it was um, a matter of spiritual life and death indeed, that they should be able to be protected from the schemes of Satan, from the onslaughts of the powers of darkness. And we know, Lord, that in our day, Lord, the devil is still planning and his strategies are being carried out and seem to be succeeding in many parts of the world and in many parts of our country. And, Lord, we ourselves know that we, we ourselves have, Lord, fallen into temptation, have sometimes been, been brought low by Satan's attacks upon our lives, by Uh, maybe through what what people have done and said to us. And Lord, we know that it is vital for our own spiritual health that we should understand and put into practice what we've just read. And so, Father, we ask you please to help me and help us uh, to explore the meaning here and be able to apply it to our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray it in in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Paul is talking about the Roman soldier's armour. And uh, interestingly enough, actually, um, the Roman soldier's armor in many ways bears resemblances to the modern soldier's armor. And I say the modern soldiers, not the First World War soldiers' uh, um, equipment. First World War soldiers went facing machine gun bullets and all kinds of artillery shells with nothing to protect them apart from a helmet. I was in the, I, I took kids when I was teaching. Uh, we, we, a group of us uh, in the history department took the kids up to the Imperial War Museum 
And there you could see um, uh, various artifacts that were recovered from various soldiers. And you kind of saw on one or, you know, in one or two cases bits of armor that people had made themselves to protect themselves from, from bullets. Um, the thing is that armor is incredibly important uh, for the modern soldier. The modern soldier wears um, a protective Kevlar uh, vest, a synthetic fiber woven into a fabric and layered, and it's five times stronger than steel. And, of course, it's much lighter. And uh, it's, the body armor is worn by soldiers precisely to protect them from bullets. Actually, in the First World War, eight million soldiers died on all the sides. And it's reckoned um, three-quarters of those battle injuries and deaths could have been prevented if, if an effective armor had been used. If they'd had something like Kevlar armor, or at least even a, even at least a, yeah, two feet of of of, uh, of of metal guarding their chests, armor is really important now for a soldier, and it was important for a Roman soldier because a Roman soldier uh, might have an arrow or a sword thrust or a spear, for that matter, uh, thrown at him. And although it might not might not stop a spear, the Roman soldiers, the Roman soldiers. Uh, breastplate, as it was called, certainly would be help against a, a bullet or against a sword. Now, in fact, the Roman's breastplate didn't just consist actually in covering his, his, his yeah, torso. It actually went round the back as well. So it succeeded in protecting the most important organ of all, which is the heart, because if you get anything going through the heart, you're definitely dead. The lungs, obviously, I, I bow to the doctors who can tell me whether you can recover from a sword thrust in the lung, kidneys and everything else. That, but the whole thing was protected. Your vital organs were protected. Now, when Paul says, God has got armor for you, it is for protecting the most vital parts of your soul from the assaults of Satan. I've mentioned in the prayer that the devil assaults Christians in all kinds of ways. It could be through tempting us to sin, but it can be, or obviously, through events that happen that he, that he uh, conspires, perhaps through putting thoughts into the hearts of other people, who to say things about the things that happen to us that may bring us down, depress us, make us feel like committing suicide, or it might be our own thoughts. He puts thoughts in our own minds that, that put, put us into a, a, you know, a kind of a, a, a horrible whirlpool of, of despair. All kinds of ways in which the devil is at work to destroy the kingdom of light and indeed to destroy the people who put their faith in Jesus. And so it's really important that you understand what, what this means. Now, I would like you to notice that Paul actually, you know, has already mentioned about this list in the armor. The first thing to have on is the belt of truth. And uh, I'm not going to hark back to that sermon because I've got much time tonight to, to, to talk on this, but... One thing I would say is this, it is clear we do need the Bible to understand the other spiritual truths about our Christian life. We need to be wearing the belt of truth to see reality of our lives and the outside world through the framework of Bible truth. And if we don't get the framework of Bible truth right, then we'll get our understanding of what that armor is wrong. If we don't understand the Bible's truths, we'll get it wrong. Um, and it, it's, I mean, this is important for our own Christian life that we get it right, that we're wearing the right armor and we're wearing it at the right time. Some of you may have seen the very uh, impressive, sad, <laughs> tragic film Saving Private Ryan 
which shows uh, the terrible suffering of soldiers uh, on, uh, when, uh, on D-Day. And on one, there's one incident, and these are all truthful incidents they show, in which uh, a man is hit in the head, or sorry, hit in the helmet, by a couple of bullets. And he can't believe it. He takes it off. And he laughs, and he says to his friends, I've been hit in the head by two bullets, and I'm, I'm you know, he didn't say it, but he, you know, that's what he's kind of indicating. Now, I'm still alive. And then he'd taken the helmet off, and he's hit again by a bullet, and he's killed. Now, that's not a joke. That happened. He wasn't wearing the armor, and he was destroyed. He, he lost his life. Now, that is true for us as believers. We can have, we won't, we won't be destroyed, because once we're, once we're, we've been saved by Christ, he will hold us forever. No one can take us out of his hands. But we can really damage our lives if we're not wearing the armor appropriately all of the time as we live our Christian life. So this is, you know, this is an important subject. And the, it's an important subject, obviously, to do with this breastplate. Now, what is this breastplate of righteousness? What is it? Um, now, one view which I've seen Catholic commentators, liberal commentators, people don't really believe the Bible is the word of God, um, evangelical, some evangelical commentators and a particular group called Arminian commentators put a view forward which could be summarized in these words. I'll just read them. Um, this righteousness is not the righteousness that saves which is given to the believer when he first believes, but it is the righteousness of living a holy life, the product of the Holy Spirit in his life of the yielded saint. It could be defined as moral purity and uprightness. So the breastplate of righteousness is our achieved righteousness of our Christian life. And that's what protects us, he's basically saying. Now, that's repeated, as I said, in so many different commentators from different backgrounds. But here's the problem. Paul doesn't say this is the armor of the saint. <laughs> he says it's the armor of God. And everything that is mentioned in the, in the, in the armory is what God gives to us, not what we have produced, what we have attained to. Our holiness, if, if, you know, if you have become a Christian, you've been a Christian a year or two, or maybe longer, to whatever state of holiness you've attained to, it's never going to protect you against Satan. Uh, because it's quite clear that um, the, armor of, the armor of God must be perfect and holy and, well, Everything that we do, unfortunately, um, of course, is, is often stained by coldness. We don't get things right all the time. Sin, because people do fall into sin. In fact, John says in 1 John uh, 1 verse 9, um, you know, I'm writing to these, these things that you may not sin, but if you do sin, if you do sin, and he goes on to talk about if you do sin, then, you know, confess you know, acknowledge your sin, confess your sin. He talks about um, walking in, in fellowship with Christ, being cleansed, being cleansed by the blood of Christ. That's what fellowship with Christ means. So having fellowship with Christ implies in, jo in John's letters that we have a progress in life in which gradually 
as we go through life, we do sin, but then we, then we uh, confess our sins and we go on and we're, and we're purified and we go on and we go on and we go on. And if you get my meaning, it implies that, you know, uh, we need constant forgiveness. Therefore, our righteousness is always going to be imperfect. How are we possibly going to stand up to an onslaught of Satan if it depends upon our righteousness? Uh, there is a well-known figure um, Oh, I'm not going to go. That talks about his truth. I won't, we won't go down that route of identifying the person. But he talks about my truth is in this book. We don't put on my righteousness to protect me, to protect me against Satan's onslaught. You don't put on your righteousness, your record of holiness, your achievements, your attainments. What does what does Paul say about himself? He says, well. Please do live up to what you've attained, yes. But, he says about himself, I press on to the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. I haven't yet arrived at perfection. Uh, On a number of occasions, Paul uh, mentions this. He's aware of indwelling sin. And he's not looking to anyone to protect him apart from actually Christ himself and the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And so, look, what what I'm trying to say is this. We are not defended by the attacks of Satan by our own righteousness. But we are protected from the accusations of Satan by the righteousness of Christ that has come to us. Now what I'm telling you is this, and if you aren't a believer yet, I want to put it in very simple terms. On the day of judgment, there is going to be various sources of you being accused Things from your past will be brought up on the day of judgment. Things from my past will be brought up. The Bible says on the day of judgment, the books will come out. The data will be revealed. The, you know, the, the, the massive data banks of everything we've done in our life will come out on the day of judgment. And those things that we have done in the past will accuse us. And indeed, the forces of darkness, the, intelligent, uh, the, the evil intelligence of, of darkness will indeed uh, say... If God, uh, if God allows those accusations to stand, they will say they've won. Because God's people ha- are accused of sin and they're going to hell and we have won. Now, accusations will stand against you as you have broken God's holy law, his ten commandments. If you have not loved him with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, and if you haven't loved your neighbor as yourself, then horrendously all of your data will be stained with your sins but here is the wonderful thing Jesus Christ came into this world the infinite son of God came in and lived his infinite life in a finite body and lived a life of perfect righteousness and he did this so that instead of us having to stand on our own flawed, stained filthy lives we might actually be given his righteousness. We might be clothed in his righteousness. We might, as when God looks at you, he will not see your data, your filth. He will see the beauty and wonder of the character of Christ. Now, that's, that's what the Bible actually says. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, making peace with the world. How did he do it? Him who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Protected forever. 
Paul says on, on the day when Christ comes, there will be a crown of righteousness that will come not to those who've attained perfection, because Paul, even when he wrote those words, uh, confesses his own lack of perfection. Not because of his attainments will be given a crown of righteousness. He says, not just to me, but to all who love his appearing. That is, to everybody who is a true Christian, who loves Jesus Christ, will actually be given a crown of righteousness. Now, we're not here talking about uh, um, the crown like a, a, the crown on a, on, a, on a king's head or a queen's head. It's, uh, it's the crown that was given to those who, who triumph in the games, who actually, uh, actually uh, were able to finish and to win. And you will be given the winner's crown. Why? Well, the answer is not because you deserve it and not because of your, uh, your ability to, uh, you know, the, anything you've done in your life, but simply because Christ won that crown for you. He had victory over Satan. And that victory has been handed over to you. He lived the perfect life. And his perfect life is now being granted to you if you have faith in him, if you trust him. Now, that's what the Bible says is the condition of actually receiving salvation, receiving righteousness, is trusting him, which you can do now by crying out to him like the, the thief on the cross. Remember me, deliver me, forgive me, restore me, heal me, fill me with your righteousness. And you can say that, say it meaningfully to the Lord and he will do this for you. Now, um, I, would, I would like to say this, that it is, it is pretty clear from Ephesians chapter 6 um, from the list of the um, from the list of the armor that is being given is that all of the armor is to do with the gospel. Stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, taking up the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Now, all of these are linked closely to the gospel, and therefore, I want to say this: that basically, the Bible. The Bible teaches about this breastplate of righteousness, I think, quite clearly, that it's, um, it, it's to do with... Now, here I'm going to use a horrendous <laughs> phrase, but I, I've seen this uh, used for it, and it does convey it, but it's a horrendous phrase. Imputed positional righteousness. Now, what does that mean? That simply means, look, once you've received the salvation in Christ... You're standing in righteousness, in his righteousness. You're clothed in his righteousness. It's been given to you. That's what the word imputed means. Now, I'm a great believer in Spurgeon who said good old Saxon English is much better rather than Latin, complicated English. You know, and, uh, or any complicated wording. Ordinary people you know, find it difficult to relate. And, you know, if you said, oh, hallelujah, I've got imputed positional righteousness. You know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, difficult for most people to get their Mouths round, let alone their mouths round. And the thing is, though, what here we're being told by putting on the breastplate of righteousness is, in fact, what you first do when you become a Christian. You put on the salvation that is given to you through Christ. You put on that righteousness. If indeed someone on, in the internet or even in the church has called out to God tonight, as I've been preaching, Lord, please save me. You've, been, you've put on that, that, uh, imputed, um, uh, that imputed personal righteousness, positional righteousness. And it's really important to have this 
in your life as a Christian. Why? Because as we live our lives, we find depressions, guilt, shame, inactivity in our lives that make us ashamed, or laziness, thinking about our past, past lives. You know, it, it can drag us down. It, we can lose heart. Now, the Bible tells us that there's a really, you know, it's a really significant thing when a Christian loses heart, just as it is when a soldier loses heart. Call it in, they call it in the world morale. And when a, when a soldier loses his morale, he surrenders. Now, here's the wonderful thing. If you have put your faith in Christ, Christ you're surrounded by a defense against every destructive element around you, every lust that has ever run through your heart, every hatred that has burned in your heart, every rage, selfishness, greed, and nastiness that has caused you now have got a defense. Firstly, you're defended because you're forgiven. But this is, this is uh, where it becomes really important. You're not only defended because you're forgiven, because that might lead you for taking, oh, well, that's okay, I'll carry on doing those things. No, you're not just forgiven. But this righteousness is an active force in your life which produces righteousness within you. The Bible says true faith has fruits. The true breastplate of righteousness, faith in the blood of Christ, which leads to you being protected by his righteousness against all accusations, has a result that you want to live a righteous life and you seek every help from God to do so. You see, some, sometimes you meet people that, that talk about faith and righteousness as though um, you can have a healthy faith in Christ and yet not be repenting, praying, having faith in him day by day and changing every day and seeking the Lord and wanting to change. Well, no. You can't have a healthy faith if you're, if you're not being challenged, convicted, persuaded, repenting, seeking the Lord's help. It is true that sometimes Christians may, uh, may get very spiritually dead. In my own life, I've known that to be true. Why? Because, well, we haven't been in the right position with Christ. We're not walking with him. We may be caught by a habit. Or it might be guilt about the past depresses us. Oh, what's the point? I can't change. Or it might be unbelief. that We don't actually believe that Jesus really is a present and active in our lives. But once, we're, once we've been brought to ourselves, once we've been realized, oh, why have I walked away from the Lord? Why have I spent that day, week, month, year, ten years? Why have I done that? Once the person is brought back to that, then through the Holy Spirit, as the Lord indeed brought us back to himself, he will cause the Holy Spirit to produce spiritual desires which will give birth to a spiritual harvest. Now I'm going to talk a bit about, more about that in about five minutes from now. But I want us to notice, therefore, that the idea that uh, the breastplate of righteousness interpreted as the gift of salvation is only talking about a, a sense of complacency. Oh, yeah, I'm righteous in Christ, so it doesn't matter how I live. I, I, can, I can be horrible. I can lie. I can cheat. I can do this. I can do that. It doesn't matter. I've got the righteousness of Christ. No. In the old days, they called that antinomianism. People who said, oh, I can break the laws all I like. I've got faith in Christ. No, that is not what the breastplate of righteousness means. Having faith is an active, living thing. What did Paul say? 
The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And it's a living faith that produces changed lives. We haven't got time to look at these, these parallel passages, but if you look at Romans chapters 5 to 8, or in fact, uh, you look at um, what, when Paul is talking in Colossians about um, the, way, the way people are to be made new and to put on Christ and leave the horrible things of human nature, put those away from you and put on Christ, he's talking about this healthy, living faith in the gospel itself. The gospel is not just about the next life, and it's not just about feeling good about yourself now, even though you've done lots of things wrong. It is about being changed in this life to be like Christ, bit by bit, as salvation works itself out in our life. And so um, what I want to, what I would like to call uh, uh, this, uh, is not, I won't, I won't call it uh, a very long term. I want to use a very similar, uh, use a, actually a fairly trite image. Um, now m- many of you download apps on your phone. And the uh, thing is this, when you download the app, unless you enable it on your phone and use it, it's inactive. And often, you know, the, the phone after a few months will remove it if it's inactive, if you've got a certain program on your phone. Now, What we as Christians have in this breastplate of righteousness is a gospel principle in our life, which is that our sins are forgiven. We have been given the perfect righteousness of Christ in God's sight. And the Holy Spirit is now also at work in our life to activate righteousness in our life. So we are are pursuing in our life activated righteousness. So Paul says to Timothy, a young Christian man, Flee from these things, talking about immorality and selfishness and so on. Flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. He says also in Timothy 2, similar thing. Flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The pursuit of activated righteousness. Now, it is, I mean, look, this is a thrilling truth that you have, and I have, the breastplate of righteousness given to us. Just as it's thrilling that we have the belt of truth to wear at all times. It's exciting that, you know, you might be someone who's come to the point where, oh, I keep on falling away and doing these things, and I can't, you know, and, and you're on the point of maybe even wanting to give up. But look, if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have called out to him, then you have been given his righteousness. Now what the Lord wants you to do is to each day, each moment for that matter, be actually putting on the breastplate of righteousness, which is saying, Lord, you've given me this this perfection in God's sight. By your Holy Spirit, enable me now to live out this life. To live out a life of gentleness, which we're hearing this morning, and of meekness. To live out the life of purity and kindness and love. Live out the the life of holiness. As I said, in Romans 5 to 8, Paul actually goes into the nuts and bolts of how that works out. How it is that the Holy Spirit um, 
is, is a factor in our lives. That from being slaves to righteousness, we become slaves to God. We become slaves to love and joy and peace and all the great and wonderful things. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, who gives life to our mortal bodies. Whereas all we'd had before was, was death. So... I would see that this, uh, this principle of putting on the breastplate of righteousness to basically be the pursuit of activated righteousness. To know that God is at work in us to will and to do his good pleasure. And, and that he wants us. He wants us to be holy. We therefore, you know, as we're looking into a new year, we may say to ourselves, well, look, Lord, I, there's loads of areas, Lord, I really would like to, I really like to change. Well, how are you going to change them? It isn't just by making a list of rules, of resolutions for the new year, and then trying to tick them off one by one. It is by walking with Jesus. It is by having faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave, it, and, and gave himself for you, who wants you to change, who wants us to change, and wants us to give us the, the will to do God's good pleasure. Want, and therefore, it's not a question of just ticking off a list. It might be useful to have a list of things, mind you, of goals for the Lord to change in us. But it is actually working in cooperation with the Lord and seeking his help and power uh, to change our lives. Now, uh, there's lots more that we could talk about, but I, I'm going to leave that with you. That uh, the Lord wants us to uh, live a life of activated righteousness. What he's given to us in the gospel is not only something that saves our souls, but is meant to change our lives in this life. And as we wear this, uh, this faith each day, if you like, as we put our faith in the Lord each day and wear this breastplate of righteousness and seek to activate all the different things in our life that, uh, to produce the fruits of the spirit of joy and peace and love and kindness and patience and perseverance as we become humble kind people as we ask the lord to actually you know change us from one degree of glory to another then indeed the lord is going to be doing so let's pray oh father in heaven lord there are many things we don't understand and many things lord even uh, Lord, tonight that I'm, I, I may have uh, be talking about, Lord, that we don't fully understand. But Lord, what we can understand is, firstly, that you sent Jesus in this, into this world uh, to make us righteous in your sight. And we thank you for that. We also know, Lord, you granted your Holy Spirit to come and live in, inside each one of us to help us to change. And we ask you, Lord, grant that as we're reading the Bible, as we are growing in our knowledge of you, that we may have the power uh, to change in, in the ways you want us to change in our lives. The ways that, Lord, that we've been displeasing to you in this past year, Lord, our, our, our moods, our uh, sins, our thoughts, our words, our actions. Lord, we pray, enable us, Lord, uh, to be able to put, fa put faith in you and see faith resulting in a harvest of righteousness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.